welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. Welcome back to The Motivated Mind, a top 100 health podcast, thanks to each of you. This is episode 273, and I'm your host, Scott Lynch. Thanks so much for listening. If I've brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. Today, we have another special guest that joins the pod, Joey Thurman, a health, fitness, nutrition expert, and television contributor. He's the author of 365 Health and Fitness Acts That Could Save Your Life, host of the Fad or Future podcast, and author of the new book, The Minimum Method, the least you can do to be a stronger, healthier, happier you. Joey was named the best trainer in Chicago by the Chicago Sun-Times in 2015 and NewBeauty.com's top three favorite celebrity trainers. Over the past two years, we've collectively felt near perpetually overwhelmed between shifting to remote everything, dealing with pandemic-related changes to our bodies, and simply trying to keep ourselves and those we love healthy. We have enough on our plates keeping our mental health intact. Crushing it at the gym just isn't a priority anymore. But that doesn't mean we should stop taking care of ourselves. It's clearer than ever that the way we used to approach health and fitness needs an intentional transformation, and no one believes that more than Joey. At the heart of his new approach is Joey's personal transformation from hardcore fitness expert of years past to a more holistic health guide today. More is more works for some, but it alienates many others, and it's time to make room for everyone. As Joey says in his book, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have bad days. Joey and I dive into struggling with depression through success, having a victim mentality, how pain can be our teacher, sharing our vulnerability, acknowledging every part of ourselves, why it's critical that we take care of ourselves before others, and lastly, the art of doing nothing. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. A quick content warning, this episode contains discussion of death and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts and need support, please call 800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. 
Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. I mean, I was 14, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and I went on Tamron Hall and talked about this and that was, that was the hardest thing I've done in my life because at the point, like I said, we can talk about it if you want, I didn't realize that it wasn't just me going on, it was everybody in my family because they were, they've been with me during those ups and downs and love it. I'm huge, huge into, uh, into mental health and there was, you know, a large section I talk about that in the book and I apologize to the entire fitness and nutrition industry in the beginning because it's, it's fed all of this bullshit, you know, or more and more and more and more. And, you know, like, oh, it's, it's okay. Like you, you gotta burn the candle at both ends. Like, no, you're killing yourself. You know? Yeah. You know, human behavior has always been human behavior, right? I, I know a lot of things we blame as a society, we blame on like social media or, you know, this or that. But at the end of the day, all of these platform systems, they're just raising the behavior of human beings since the dawn of time. That's all. And so, you know, it's it's really easy for us as a society to look at Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and be like, look, at this is the reason. But I think that at the end of the day, what it really takes is people just being open and just being vulnerable. So I tell my story to people and on my podcast because I want my audience to understand that this is normal. What you see online, what you see people doing, those are the good parts of their life. And that's amazing. But happy people, when they're experiencing happiness, the first place they do not go to is, let me capture this moment. That's not how happiness actually flows. That's, that's not on the mind because you're, you're so present. You're enjoying the moment. You're there grounded in the moment. So it's not... I get to tell Instagram and my thousands of followers that that's what I'm doing and this is what I'm experiencing. You just want to experience it as an individual. For you, what did that transition look like? What was that like dawning moment where you're like, there's something missing and this isn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, I think there's many moments and small moments in life that you kind of realize like there's something not there. Like, you know, going on all these TV shows and doing all this sort of stuff and having all this success, I kept reaching for more and more and more and more. And I realized that I kept getting more and more didn't fill that void. More of this success dug a deeper hole within inside of me. And really to pinpoint a specific moment recently, I might go back when I was 14 and my parents were struggling in a new school and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, that was, that was pretty bad and I was suicidal and all sorts of stuff. But uh, really beginning of... I guess, you know, pandemic, if you will. Uh, my son was about two years old and I stopped traveling, doing all these TV shows. And I literally, once travel stopped, I lost you know, six figures. And then I was stuck at home for months and I was getting ready to take several million dollars for this fitness lab concept we had. And all these things were happening. Instead, like I went to this victim mentality, like, of course this happens now. I've got all this sort of stuff going on, which is happening to me. It was happening to everybody. I couldn't pay my mortgage. My in-laws had to start paying that. I went on unemployment because gym shut down and I was, you know, that was my living and travel shut down and that was also my living. 
I went into this deep, dark depression for several months. And then finally, I heard my son running down the hallway one day. He says, Baba's home, Baba's home. And we're, well, my wife is Greek and he's, you know, half Greek, I'm mutt. And she's like, look at this. He knows your home now. Before you were gone when he woke up and you'd get back and he'd just be ready for bed. I was like, oh, shit. Instead of me thinking about this victim mentality and losing all of this money and these opportunities, now I could realize, wow, I get to know my son now in times that I would not have. So once I realized that and I put that silver lining with it, man, that, you know, in many ways, the pandemic was a blessing for me. There's lots of negative things about it. But for me, once I, you know, reevaluated, reattributed that mindset, was huge. It's amazing when, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. I'm not a religious person, but to each their own, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, things happen for a reason, right? There's, there's always some sort of lesson or knowledge or perspective that can be found. And there's this great quote, I can't remember who said it, but pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. And so we all experience pain, but the suffering aspect is normally the furnace that we cook for ourselves and just sit in that heat. And I think it's amazing that you were able to bounce out of that victim mentality because, listen, most of society sits in that victim mentality. It's the government. It's my upbringing. It's my parents. You know, I don't it's my job. There's all these outside factors that bring them into the victim mentality world, which then for removes hope. And once we remove hope, it's like, okay, well, then what else do I have going for myself? And then it becomes really empty feeling and like, I can't grab traction, right? There's nothing for me here. But hope is the one fire that indicates to us that there's opportunity, there's ability to actually grab onto something. And so I love that you were able to to see through to something that completely shifted your income, your business, your livelihood and saw through to, well, there is a silver lining behind what's happening to me. And now I get to be a father more for, for my son. Yeah, it's, it's amazing once you reach into that and you have that deliberate self-thought and action. And like when we get frustrated, right, when we're trying to learn something, do something new, it, it's frustrating, but it's purposely frustrating. So by changing that and leaning into the hard, leaning into the moment, I was able to make my brain more plastic, right? Neuroplasticity. So the the nerves and the synapses are communicating better because I started realizing and saying over and over and over again, like, wow, this is amazing. I'm up right now. I get to play with him and that the money problems and stuff will be there. But once I started changing that mindset, you're not just going to wake up one day and you know do some mantra and everything's going to be better. I mean, even today, I text my manager, I'm like, man, my head's not right. I text my wife. I'm like, I hope you have a great day. Like, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed out. I just want to let you know that I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I'm preparing for this, this podcast. I don't feel right, but I want to let you know that I love you. I appreciate you. I love our son. And I will see you later. And then she just texts me back and she's like, I appreciate you being vulnerable right now. You're going to do great. I love you. And that right there, like acknowledging within yourself, but letting everybody else around you know, like when you just feel like shit, it's okay. But letting them know in turn, like Scott, like, man, I, I felt bad this morning. And I, I have all these things going on, like going to your podcast, that's a big deal. But it's okay to acknowledge that and own that. But then letting my family know 
where my headspace is at, maybe they'll be a little bit more sensitive. Maybe they'll understand that a little bit more. Maybe something they were going to bring up that is not necessarily that serious at the moment. Maybe she can bring it up tomorrow when I'm in a better mood or later today, right? And that is huge. I think that is a big missing piece that people don't get. They keep that within them or they talk to their therapist or something else. Talk to your friends and your family and lean into that. And that's really going to help you. And that's going to literally change your brain. Yeah. And we are our master fabricators of building that island right for ourselves like we live in that world so it's obvious to us that we're experiencing that pain you know that we're experiencing that hardship but if we don't vocalize it if we don't acknowledge it i mean one we get to acknowledge it with ourselves, so we know how best to address it because it's never going to disappear it's how do how do we manage it and then number two your friends, your spouse, all of those individuals around you understand maybe it gives them an opportunity, like you said, to be a little delicate, right, or thoughtful around approaching things. But beyond that, that also gives them the acceptance that, oh, my husband or wife, they were vulnerable with me and sharing their thoughts. There's an opportunity for me to to open up. And it just I, it's just like a, a successful business, right? Not to necessarily compare the two, but communication is what gains its success between its its members it's the same thing in a in a partnership and i do this interesting thing with my wife if she has a really difficult day sometimes i'll get in this habit of being trying to be bob the builder as i like to call it where i just want to fix i want to help out you know i want to i want to be there and i have for the past couple of years gotten into this place this practice where i say who do you need me to be in this moment? Is this just someone you you want to share some stuff with and and I will just listen? Or are you looking for advice in a way to kind of approach what you're going through? Rather than sitting there and making the assumption on what she needs in that moment, we get to kind of meet the bridge in the middle together. And that goes back to your communication piece too as well. We make so many assumptions about ourselves and so many assumptions about what other people need and layer on our life that it becomes this big entanglement of of material and, and emotions. Yeah. It's like we try we're, we're trying to be fixers, you know, to use the analogy about the builder. Right? We always try to fix something. And sometimes when we hear somebody talking to them and you know, being in the fitness industry my entire life, like uh, I have all of these people just tell me stories and whatever, and I'm trying to fix it. They're paying me to fix some things, but you know what I mean? We're just trying to fix it right away. And I've gotten into that same mindset when somebody's just talking to you, sometimes they don't want advice. They don't want you to fix things. They don't want the unsolicited advice. So same thing, like, you know, what hat are you wearing at that point? So if my mother-in-law is talking to me about, you know, what she should be eating or whatever, and I say, how do you want me to answer this? Do you want me to answer this as the fitness nutrition expert or do you want me to answer this as your son-in-law? Mm. Because these are two different ways that I will approach this. You know what I mean? I don't approach everybody the same way about, about food. I think that's, you know, crap, like one diet fixes all. That doesn't happen. But there's so much more to how we feel, how we look, you know, how, what, what we eat, how we sleep, what we digest, what we absorb, how we're moving in sunlight, circadian rhythm, all these sort of things matter. So going back to that, you don't always have to fix everything. Sometimes it's just about the minimum effort. Scott's saying, hey, who do you need me to be right now? And we can be so many different people 
and that's okay. Like I can be outgoing and do my, you know, TV fitness Joey versus I can go on a podcast like this and I can be vulnerable and I can be all these different people. I can be dad. I can be son. I can be husband. I can be the asshole. It happens. I often am, right? But why can't we acknowledge that? Why can't we love every part of ourselves, even the crappy ones? Mm. And I've got lots of crappy ones. And I know everybody listening and watching does too. But once you acknowledge that and, st and stop trying to fix everything, you'll be much better off. How did going through all those different pieces of who Joey is, right? Fitness or husband or father or friend or son-in-law, all of those things. When you're in that chaos of going on different shows and, you know, signing books and doing all these different things, how did you take a step back or acknowledge that, okay, this is what other people around me need, but actually what in this moment do I need, right? How did you find or navigate the balance between those two things? Like, I understand that outside, this is what the people around me need. But today, to your point about being kind of not on your game, you know, clarity in your mind per se, but how did you say, no, let's pause. This is what I need today. And so things need to go on hold before I can get to those places. Yeah, I think uh, I used to tell my clients this all the time. And, you know, we people say, like, you know, do as I say, not as I do. For years, I would actually do that. You know, like I, you know, I was 23 years old, started training and making a bunch of money and spending more and getting wasted and high and all sorts of stuff. Like, oh, you shouldn't do that. But I do that every night, right? Like, don't do that anymore by any means. Once I started realizing that until you take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of anybody else around you? We all have that person in our lives and our family, and, and maybe it's you listening right now. You're the one that's always there for everybody else. But if you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of them? If you don't take care of your mind with your health, like our body's a system, it's everything, right? We have one car, and that's our body, and that's our mind, and that's everything, and it works together. So you let that, you don't take care of that car, you don't get the oil changes, you don't do everything, just keep using that analogy, you're going to break down. And if you break down, everybody else around you will because you were the glue that was holding everything together. So I realized that a few years ago. And the first ever TV appearance I had was on a show called Good Day Chicago on Fox. And I just thought, like, I'm going to go on this show and I'd be famous. Local Chicago TV, third biggest market of the country. All right, right, right on, right? And I was so nervous. And I told my wife at that point, I said, if I ever get to the point where I go on a show, local and even national wasn't even in my head at the time, where I go on one of these shows and it's not a big deal for me, I want you to let me know. So literally four or five shows in, I was like, oh my God, I got to prepare for this and make this food and whatever. And they're not paying for it. And she's like, really? Already? It's been four shows. You know, because they, they love me going. I'm like, wow. You know, sometimes those people around you need to check you, but often you need to check yourself. So take care of you. Because otherwise, you can't take care of anyone else. This is an interesting irony, right, that, that we go through. It's like, in one hand, most of us are very selfless creatures. If we really get down to the core of it. However, we do ourselves a disservice by not being selfish. And I tell people all the time, like, listen, being selfish with these things is the most selfless thing you can actually do. And to your point that I love that you said is we are the, if, if that's the case and we're always there for everybody else, we're the glue. And when that starts to crack and dry up, then where does that leave everybody else around you? And so when I think you frame it, you framed it into such a great perspective to say, listen, if the goal or the objective is, is to deliver, 
ironically, you're doing yourself a disservice and those around you that you're trying trying to deliver to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy when we step back and think about that. You know, even in like, you know, you look at diet culture or anything else or compliments and young girls like get this all the time, like, oh, you're so pretty, you're so whatever. And, and they shouldn't, and it shouldn't be like what that's about, right? Mm -hmm. Right away. You know, even when I'm go doing a, like a cut or a diet to go on a TV show and my son's like, oh, why are you not eating that? Or why are you doing that? Daddy I'm like to be healthy and to be strong. I don't let him know. Right. Because I, I, I want to make sure I feed that positive mindset. And, you know, to this day, like if I start a new workout routine, um, you know, on point with everything in my life and somebody comes up to me like, man, you look good. I say, thank you. I know I do. And they look at me and I'm like, I've been working hard. So what they're saying is I see that your hard work is paying off right? So accept that. There's one thing about being cocky, you know, about it, but there's another thing like, thank you. I've been working hard. I appreciate that. And often they get taken back because they expect you to, you know, just kind of knock yourself down a little bit, a little self-loathing. Oh, you know, I could look better. I'm, oh, I've been doing this. But what if we started accepting that? God, man, your podcast, top 100. Thanks. It's amazing. I know it is. I deserve that. You deserve so much more. Why in the hell can't we say that? Can't we accept that? And I think sometimes with people seeing, like, if you're, you're posting yourself, you're doing whatever, like, yes, there's a lot of times people are doing things bad online. But to your point, I really think that people are good deep down inside. So I want you to accept that compliment. I want you to accept when you've been working hard. It goes back to changing your brain. And that will truly, truly help you and be a game changer. It's interesting that that you bring that up because I, I interviewed a neuroscientist, which was interesting because those levels are a little different as far as trying to navigate a, a conversation. But she, she sh shared something that was, there's kind of two connections here to what you just said about, I think it's prior to the age of nine or seven, those connections in our brains basically get extremely greased and they get greased for lack of a better term, because we want where our bodies at that point are trying to learn a lot of information. So think of kind of our mammal brain, seven years in, in the wild without a, a father or mother, pretty dangerous for a lion to come by or a jaguar or whatever. So your brain in its development is speeding up the ability to transfer information and knowledge. And it's in those moments, that age bracket, that I think it's 200, it's majority of the United States, 223 million people have experienced some sort of trauma in their life, at least once. That's like 74, 76% of the US population. That's crazy. And, you know, I asked her, I said, so how do we then correct or change those bridges, those connections? by hanging around different people, people you'd aspire, aspire to be like, people that push you and motivate you, people that actually lift you up and say, you've got this. Why wouldn't you? You did this and this before. Why, why can't you do that again? And I think back, we're having our first kid March 3rd, a, a girl. Congrats. I th thank you. I appreciate that. And I think to all of these moments and opportunities where we will be able to not tell, but show. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier about being a father and being there gives you the ability not to just say these things, but to actually show them in motion, in action. And that's where those connections come into play, that it's like, here's a beautiful moment and opportunity to show him that this is how 
we should treat other people. This is how we should treat ourselves. And those imprints in his brain are going to be some of the most powerful pieces that he ever builds into his head. And I, and I think about that even with adults and people that we interact with by giving them those compliments and recognizing how hard other people have worked. Yeah, it's funny because we're so aware and I use a life coach, a PhD psychologist and done inner child work and all sorts of stuff. And she's like, look, the one thing, you know, if you can do to set your child up for life is to let them be aware of all of their emotions, not push them aside. Not like, Hey, you're a little boy and you skin your knee and it's okay. Don't cry. You know what, son? You fall down, you skin your knee, it hurts. Let it out. It's okay to be angry right now. It's not okay to throw something, to hit something, but it's okay to be angry. Take some time, go to the side, breathe deeply, count to four. Like all these little things were setting him up to understand, you know, his emotions and, you know, and feelings, which are two different things, right? And his reactions to his experiences. And you can generally point out with people, you know, they, they react to something really fast and they get upset to something. There's a trigger there. So we, I think we all need to be aware that everybody has triggers and we need to give a little bit more grace to ourselves and to each other and just move on with that and coming from a place of love and understanding and, and focusing, like realizing, okay, yeah, now something may seem in, insignificant to me, but Scott, to you, man, that, that really bothered you. You know, like that, whatever, guy going across the street, you know, with um, and not a helmet on. Like, oh, God, he's wearing a helmet. Like, no, it's fine. He's probably okay. But maybe you had somebody in your life that fell and like hurt themselves, you know, not wearing a helmet. Like these little things. And you think about it, it seems so insignificant. But sometimes things that are so insignificant are very significant to someone else. When we remove the reason whether it be a child or a friend, like, oh, don't worry about that. They're dealing with the problem or the challenge that they're facing. But now on top of that, you're adding this layer of, well, don't worry, those feelings or those emotions, they're not justified. So you're then layering that on top. And so you're teaching them in a way, subconsciously or not, that it's not okay to go through those things. And back to you know our earlier conversation that, no, but that, that's actually normal. Like, yeah, you did scuff your knee, right? Do whatever you need to do to get through that experience or walk through and, and actually be present and experiencing experience all those things. But it's okay that, that, that it happened ultimately. But by saying this, it's okay or don't worry, we're removing the reason to actually experience it. And we're saying in kind of this passive way that, well, it's not okay in, in a way for you to feel that way, right? They, mm -hmm. We've got to go through that. And to your point around, you know, being significant or insignificant is not for us to determine. You know, I don't use the word entitled very often. I can't stand that word, but we are entitled to our own emotions or feelings when it comes to those moments. And we are not someone who gets to control or dictate how that goes with other people. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. And, and you nailed it right there. And just, just completely having that awareness and somebody's like, oh, you know, don't worry or calm down. That doesn't work. <laughs> telling somebody not to worry or telling somebody to, to calm down actually makes it worse because it just ticks you off because you can't, the mind can't calm down the mind. So you telling me that and giving me that like crap advice 
is not going to work because if I said the same thing to that person, it, it's not going to happen. So like, yeah, just having those experiences, setting that up and, you know, yeah, you, you can still change if you're not seven years old, right? Like a neuroplasticity is very good up till 25 years old. And after that, we can still change. So leaning into the hard and understanding like, okay, maybe next time Scott talks about his problem, maybe I say, don't worry. Maybe I just listen. Okay. Listen, listen, listen. Okay. And just like tell yourself over and over again. It's like practicing a golf swing, you know, like, you know, soften the knees, hips, rotate, turn your head, boom, boom, boom. And then eventually, you know, it's not just reflexive, right? You know, we want to, we, we are not just reacting to things. Let's just have that thought and that deliberate thought process in whatever we're doing in life, whether that's exercise or eating or anything, we deliberately think about why we're doing something or maybe why we're not doing something because the power in the pause is speaks more volume, you know, and speaks more, much more loudly than sometimes the bad advice that we're going to get for saying, don't worry. Oh, that's so on point. I, you know, this, this kind of goes back to the uh, earlier conversation about humans have always been humans, these different things. Social media has amplified kind of this behavior. We are so quick to want to live in noise or motion that we suppress the true things that we need to address, whether that be our inner voice, our inner pain, what we actually need in that moment. And it's very challenging for most people to pause in a world that is overstimulating and constantly asking for attention and things. For you, how do you pull away from, from noise, right? How, how do you listen to what you, what you need? Um, I like to call it the art of doing nothing. Sometimes doing nothing, um, it's so much more than nothing. It is something. And what do I mean by that? So you can go through all these things. Like you can read all about the breathing and stress and everything I talk about in the book, or you can just think about when was the last time I literally did nothing for myself. And what do I mean by that? Okay. So like you're, whether you're listening to a podcast or anything, or you're doing whatever, we're always trying to do a million things at once, right? When was the last time? that you just sat down and turned everything off. No noise, took a walk outside, preferably get some sunlight. All that's amazing, right? And just focused on the air hitting your face, focused on your breath, each step, the rocks beneath you, the changing of the leaves. And just let your mind flow freely. Guess what? You just meditated. Call that a love walk, if you will. I like that term, right? So you're walking around and you're loving yourself. I was in LA uh, a couple of weeks ago and I went to Runyon Canyon two days in a row, not for a workout, but to work in on myself. Working in is tremendous. You know, I had this happen with uh, Rachel Brooksmith and she's a big you know, Hollywood actress and bring it on and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and I, I know I can talk about this, right? I asked her, um, and she was on her menstrual cycle and she was getting ready for this like power Rangers spinoff legend of the white dragon. I think that's what it's called. And, um, she's like, Oh my God, like you, you prescribe me all these workouts and whatever. And she's like, I, I just don't feel well right now. I said, okay, well, you're, it's your menstrual phase. You're, you're bleeding a lot right now. You're losing a lot, a lot of blood and nutrients. So I want you to work in on yourself. She's like, what, what is, what does that mean? I said, so don't, you know, go eat ice cream and, you know, Ben and Jerry's or anything. Don't do that because you're just going to feel bad about yourself. I said, but instead go for a walk, do some yoga, meditate, allow yourself that day off. And in a day or two, when you start feeling better, if you want to make up the workout and do a two a day, by all means, fine. But you still have two months until you're filming. You'll be absolutely fine. And, she's, and a couple of days later, she texted me. She's like, 
that changed literally how I looked at working out. She's like, I've had all these Hollywood trainers and stuff. And I was training her via, you know, Zoom and FaceTime because it was high to pandemic. It's like, nobody's ever told me that. And that put me in this better place because she was a you know, professional dancer and actress and didn't, doing all those things. She was, she was always taught to go, 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 go. But once we stop, once we do nothing, we create so much more for ourselves and nothing really becomes something. How do we, so the, the working on the outside versus working on the inside, we are starting to finally get in this, this place in society where working on the inside is becoming more sexy, more glamorous, more attractive. How do we continue to kind of propel that, that message and drive that home? Yeah, well, it's about time. Right. I mean, it's great. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, people such as yourself talking about this, making it aware, because sometimes we're like, oh, here's Joey talking about his depression again. Here's Scott talking about this. Right. But we need to keep doing that and listening to that and and changing the way we do things. Right. It's like your first idea is never the best idea. Actually, there's something called the idea cliff where that first idea is like, that's what you focus on, right? Like, oh, I need to work. I need to look better on the outside. You're focusing on that, right? But what if you think about like everything else? Okay, how does, how would Scott handle this? How would, I don't know, how would, um, you know, smart water handle this? You know, like uh, you look at all these different things, like, and how do you approach that? Then you got all these different ideas and all these things and how, how to approach your life and think about how, okay, how do I work in on myself to help the exterior or working in, you know, on, on my gut health, on my sleep, on these little habits will help me feel better, one, and then look better. Sometimes you need to gain weight to get healthy. So sometimes you need to get healthy to lose weight. And that's crazy, right, to think about. But when was the last time, you know, I've got clients that do this all the time. I even have a therapist client who, you know, and therapists, man, they beat themselves up more than anybody else, right? Therapists often, like, because they, they understand what they're doing and they try to fix themselves and you can't really... You know, fix yourself, right? But I was telling her like she was just go, 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 and just trying to take care of her kid and husband and do all this sort of stuff. And there were some, you know, family things going on. And I said, I want you to back off. Focus on you right now. But there's some things that can't give. Like you got your family problems, those aren't going to go away. You're not going to fix those. So look at the things and kind of do that, you know, that, that life cycle, that thought process. And what are the things that you can change a little bit? She's doing like high intensity interval training, two, three days a week. Like that's too much. I just want you to walk. So why do I like, because you're stressed, you're burned out that anxiety, like let's put that anxiety somewhere and then focusing on working in on herself. And I increased her calories. Just like, Oh my God, this is crazy. I said, let's get healthy first because you're calorie deprived right now. So you, uh, calories determine your weight, macronutrients determine how you look, micronutrients determine how you feel. And that's a great quote from my buddy, Dan Garner. And they're just like, whoa, what does that mean? I'm like, because you're, you're not eating enough food, which helps with your antioxidant act, activity, which helps your brain, which helps your gut health. And, then, and it starts going there. And then she increased her calories, like 1,000 calories per day. And she's like, I feel like a stuffed sausage. And she weighed herself and she didn't gain any weight. She just felt like she was gaining weight, right? Crazy. It's unreal, this mindset you know, that we've been fed over and over and over again. And sometimes, yes, you will gain a couple of pounds. And it could be water weight. It could be sodium retention. It could be a lot of things. We're not getting into that. But once she started focusing on herself and now she's to that point, like, let's get you healthy two weeks out of your life. And you've been dieting for 20 years, right? Two weeks. It's okay. You'll be fine. So take a step back, look at all these aspects of your life and you're not going to fix everything at once. If your sleep is crap, 
I've talked to any new parent. You're going to get this, buddy. You're going to get this mm-hmm. very soon. Like, you're, like let's, let's, let's be real. Your wife's probably going to do most of the work because, you know, um, our relationship, the same thing. Like she was breastfeeding. She was getting up every couple of hours. She was taking care of him. And I was doing everything I could, but I wasn't getting any sleep whatsoever. Um, she was getting me less. So then two weeks after I took off after the birth of our son, and by the way, man, just wait till that experience. You'll just let me know, you know, when your baby comes out. So excited. It's, it's going to be amazing. But I went back to the gym and I grabbed a weight that would be my warm up weight. And it felt like a thousand pounds. Why? Because I, I didn't sleep. I was stressed. I was like chronically inflamed, all these sort of things. And I had to take a step back, like, okay, what's happening right now? Let's reattribute what I'm feeling. Okay, I haven't been sleeping been stressed out. Okay. It's okay that I can't bench or squat as much as I can. So I allowed myself to feel like crap because sometimes there will be months on end where you, you're just not, you're not a hundred percent in your life, but I could be there, you know, for my wife when she was, you know, taking care of him, as long as I didn't fall asleep, just like all <laughs> that babies just sleep a lot in the beginning. So you're okay with that point. But yeah, man, it's, it's really having that self-reflection and looking at the person in the mirror, doing some inner child work and anybody look at, look at that. Like, you know, like we have many versions of ourselves and that child inside of us or many children inside of us. They're always trying to be heard. Okay. And I, I have this thought about like, we have these two voices when there's this loud voice, like, you know, say, say Dave, you know, devil or angel, like that loud voice is always the one telling you, you should do this. You should do that. You should be making more money. You should be doing more TV appearances. You should whatever. And that silent voice, the one that often just gets hindered from that loud voice is like, take a breath, take a few breaths, focus on your exhale, get some more sleep. It's okay. You've got a new kid. It's okay. You gained some weight. It's okay. You don't look as fresh as you normally do. It's okay. Cause you've got this amazing child, this epitome of everything that's good in this world. It's okay. It is so easy for us to not listen to the inner needs, right? It is so simple for us to get caught up and entangled in everything else that society has for us every single day. And I think it is critical to just pause, like you said. Doing nothing is way more than we actually think. Absolutely. And you know, it's so hard, even even me giving this advice, you know, like, like oh, yeah, 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 it's easy, but it's hard. And it really is. I even started just trying to find moments in my day to literally do nothing. So now, um, you know, like you'd be thoughtful about that, have that deliberate thought. Now, after my workouts, I will literally just lay on the gym floor as gross as that may be. Um, and I put my legs up and I often turn off my music or I turn on like classical music or something that's calming. Cause I listen to like angry music the whole time. So I don't want to be angry while trying to be calm. You know, it's like, Aah! uh, so I'll, I'll just lay there and then I'll focus. I'll do some, um, it's called like recovery breathing. There's some box breathing or even just like breathing in and out of my nose and just not even like overthinking it. Sometimes thinking about breathing properly, like makes you more anxious. Right. So just bringing myself from that sympathetic state where you're working out and it's stressful and it's a good stress uh, that you stress to that parasympathetic state of rest, digest and recover. So I'm, literally sitting there recovering, knowing that that few minutes is not only good for my mind, but it also is going to help the digestion of that meal that I'm going to have. So my workout is more efficient. So all these things and telling myself that over and over again is giving myself that little dopamine drip, right? That dopamine response. It's a reward pathway, but it's also motivation. So I do that. And then I know, now I know like every time, like I'd rather cut my workout five minutes short and not get that last pump, bro, right? And just lay down 
and relax and do nothing because that is so much more than nothing. And man, that nothing is something. It's like, you know, I'm preaching a choir on this one. Nobody regrets a good workout. Nobody actually regrets not doing nothing. It might be this hill you climb, but I mean, obviously there's a fine line. If we're doing nothing every single day, there's a huge difference, but we're not talking kind of black and white here, but the ability to just take the five, 10 minutes out of your day, it's not actually that much to step away, breathe, become grounded and recenter, refocus on what is actual needs for the day, not checking off the to-do list or trying to get in the best workout or get the most stuff done each day. And that's so easy to get caught in that pattern. So your book, The Minimum Method, how has the experience been? What would you say has been the biggest takeaway with this so far? Yeah, it's funny. I had the idea um, and uh, my buddy Kevin actually helped me come up with the idea. Originally, it was called The Bare Minimum. We changed it to The Minimum Method. I had to say, this is going to be great. It's going to be sell so many books because you know I'm writing it for the person on the couch trying to get to the start line, not the person in the race trying to get to the finish line. But I realized doing all of this research, and I did three months of research beforehand, and it was like several hundred references and stuff, so it is science-backed, right? I did so much for myself writing it because I explored within myself. And I wasn't working at the time. I took off and just used my advance to literally just sit there and write. And as I was writing, I was putting myself on paper. And then I actually just stepped back and started reading my own book last week. Like, wow, this is really good. And that's okay because I just wrote it. I didn't necessarily read it. And when I was helping edit, you know, I just sort of just skimmed. But I literally absorbed the words on the page and those words are me and it reflects the way, way I think about things. And, you know, I, I apologize for the fitness and nutrition industry. I apologize for my 23-year-old, you know, vodka drinking, sweatband wearing self that needed to look pretty to sell training sessions to realizing, you know, now like, wow, there's so much more to myself and I have so much more to learn and grow from. But I'm accepting and content of who I am right now. And man, I'm so proud um, of this book and every single chapter in it. I've got three different archetypes and categories. So there's let's go. That's that person on the couch trying to get the start, start line. There's a level up. You're kind of already in that race. You're on that start line. And there's a max out. That's the people like trying to get to that finish line. And you know that you can pick, you can choose your own path within the book, whether it's you just read the sleep chapter or the gut health or different things like that. So choose your own path. Pick the minimum because the minimum truly will get you the maximum. Yeah, the, again, another irony there. And it's cool that you, in writing the book, doing the work, and then kind of having this outer body experience of, well, now I actually get to absorb all the information that I was talking about, relive what I what I went through, but from a 30,000 foot approach. So that's going to be extremely rewarding. Well, literally, I was, I was on a plane reading it. So I was actually pretty, <laughs> pretty high. So there you go. go. 60,000 feet then. So I, I, I love that. Well, Joey, this has been phenomenal. Where can where can people People can find the book anywhere uh, books are sold. And where can people follow you, your journey, and your as you continue to go through your journey? Yeah. Um, so my love-hate relationship with social media used to be hate-love. <laughs> um, it was hate-love when I did my TED Talk. But Joey Thurman Fit, T-H-U-R-M-A-N, like Uma, minus the money, a relation. Um, yeah, Joey Thurman Fit, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Facebook, you know, all the things, Joey Thurman Fitness on YouTube, joeytherman.com. I respond to every single DM, uh, uh, assuming they're appropriate. Yeah. And just get the book anywhere. Amazon's the easiest place, but it's for sale, you know, Target, Barnes and Noble, everywhere. 
Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into embracing pain as a teacher with Joey Thurman. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening. Motivated Mind is a legacy division.